Welcome to Boom and Gloom. I am your host, Anthony. You may know me as Whaler Jacket on social media platforms. I am Ohio's longest suffering hockey fan. Happy New Year's Eve, everybody. Today is a bit of a somber day in the Whaler Jacket household as it is officially put all the Christmas decorations away day. Time to wrap up another holiday season. Hope everyone had a great Christmas. I spent the holiday in Connecticut with my family. Had some amazing seafood. Well, to be fair, I hate seafood. And I, I know, I know, it's disgraceful for a New Englander to say that. But, but for some reason, I do love fried clam strips. That is literally the only seafood I eat. And it was delicious. And let me tell you, if you have never had New Haven pizza, it should be on your bucket list. The best pizza in the world is made in New Haven, Connecticut. Peppy's, Sally's, Modern. Those are kind of the big three when it comes to famous New Haven pizza places. But really, most pizza places in the region are awesome. So do yourself a favor. Make it a goal to try it someday. Ohio pizza just doesn't even compare. Now, I have to admit, I am a pizza snob. So trust me, if you have never had New Haven pizza, it is in a whole new world whole different level. All right. Anyway, sorry, got a bit off track there. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to be back here talking Columbus Blue Jackets hockey. Uh, I have to admit that I'm still learning all these, uh, all this podcast stuff. And I actually just thought I had finished recording this episode, uh, spent over 20 minutes talking and thinking that my microphone was turned on and it was not. So this is take two. All right, so here we go. Um, I titled this episode, or I will title it, Is Hockey Fun Again? Because let me tell you, watching the game against Toronto was the most fun I have had watching Blue Jackets hockey since before last season. I cannot remember the last time I was so entertained watching the Jackets. Even if the Jackets had lost that game, I would have felt the same way. It was just so much fun. Then, last night against Buffalo happened. Not very fun. Kind of a kind of a blah game. But I get it. The Jackets were tired. Uh, two games in less than 24 hours. It's an away game. They had traveling to do. Three games in four nights. A win really wasn't in the cards. They blow yet another third period lead and lost the game in overtime. And yet... I'm really not all that upset about it. It was a tough game for them. And they played hard. Tarasov got absolutely shelled. But he played very well. And they still walked away with a point. Not that that means much at this stage of a lost season. But ultimately, what I want to see is entertaining hockey from a team that gives a darn every single night. So I'll take another close game, another non-blowout, which is a major step up from last year. So yeah, Blue Jackets hockey is fun again to end 2023 and hoping it continues well into 2024. At this point last season, I was not excited to turn 
uh, Blue Jackets games on the TV. I, I was not, not even happy doing it. But this year, I'm still invested. Despite their record and, and their playoff chances, I'm invested. I want to keep watching. So yeah, so yeah, hockey's hockey's fun again, for now. All right, so the first uh, major thing I want to talk about here, Pascal Vincent versus Yarmo Kekalainen. Who is at greater fault? So after the loss to, uh, the losses, I should say, to New Jersey and then Buffalo last night, and even, even after the win against Toronto, I got to thinking, the Blue Jackets have a solid offense. They're scoring goals. And they have a decent amount of scoring threats on their roster. And Elvis is having a decent year. I mean, he gets sick too much, but that withstanding, I'm not going to say he's, you know, all-star caliber, but he's been serviceable. He's been decent. So we have the offense, and we have the goaltending. So why do we suck? Now, there are only two other possible variables here, because I already talked about the offense, I already talked about the goaltending. So the other possible variables are defense and coaching. So it got me thinking, do we have capable defensemen who are just underperforming? due to a subpar system implemented by our coach, Pascal Vincent? Or do we have subpar defensemen who Yarmo incorrectly gambled on? I mean, we give up a lot of shots. A lot. At least it, it seems that way to me. I, I don't have the, the statistics in front of me, but it just seems like every game we're giving up a lot of shots. So is it wrong personnel, which is on Yarmo, or is it wrong system, which is on Pascal, or is it a combination of both? Now that in my opinion is the likely answer, but I don't want to take the easy way out here. Okay. I, I want to blame one of the two for being most at fault. So here it goes. If I had to choose who I thought was more responsible for the team's lack of success I blame Yarmo more. It is ultimately the GM's responsibility for assembling a roster of players who can get the job done. And these players are not able to get the job done. I personally think we have too many offensive-minded defensemen and not enough stay-at-home, rough-and-tumble, shut-down defensemen. Now that's on Yarmo. He assembled this group. He went out and spent... $11 million and two very high draft picks in order to bring in Provorov and Severson. That's a heck of a lot of resources. It's a lot of money, a lot of cap space, and all to put together the, the garbage back end that we are seeing on a near nightly basis. Now, Vincent is not above accountability here. Don't get me wrong. He has to shoulder at least some of the blame. But I keep thinking about this. The, these are professional hockey players who have played all their lives on various teams for various coaches with various teammates. How much of a role does coaching really play 
in a lack of chemistry. So I was watching the World Juniors the other day, and these kids are thrown together. They have a few practices, and then they compete together against some of the other best talent in the world. So watching them play, it doesn't look like they've never played together. Why? Well, because these are smart hockey players. They play the game the way they played it their whole lives. It doesn't matter, at least as much, who their teammates are. They go out and play their position and play their game. They use their skills, they use their talents, they play hard, and for the most part, all these teams, they look like cohesive units. You can't tell me that a few days of practicing and coaching makes all the difference in the world. It's the players. It comes down to the players and the talent that is assembled by the team's manager. That is why I blame Yarmo more. He did not bring in the correct players for this defense to have sustained success. Now, again, I blame both, okay? Coaching does play a part, but if I had to choose which one should shoulder the, the most blame, it's Yarmo. And this is all the more reason why I keep saying the Jackets need to fire him before the trade deadline. They need a new GM with a new vision and a new read on their current roster and to start making decisions for the future of this franchise. It makes no sense to wait until after the season when the trade deadline decisions have already been made. None. Get someone else in there who can analyze what we have now and what the team needs going forward to be successful. Moving on. All right, my next segment here. Um, this is something I kind of want to start doing in every episode. I'm not sure if that'll pan out, but we'll see. Now, the, the title of my podcast, obviously, is Boom and Gloom, which has more negative than positive connotations. But I want to try to make it a point to uh, each episode, list some bright, bright spots. Okay, so that's what I'm going to do here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list five current bright spots for the Blue Jackets, five uh, bright spots that we can feel good about. Okay, so number one, Yegor Chinnikov. Where did this guy come from? <laughs> did anyone else have him putting up career numbers this year? Now, admittedly, his previous career numbers were not that high, okay? But but I have to admit, in the early stages of this season, and even at the end of last season, I saw him as a trade candidate. Now, I have to eat crow. I mean, he is he's turning up his game big time. He turned it up a, a huge notch. And he's showing why he was a first-round draft pick. Now, we all know about his, his wicked shot. Okay, but I've actually been very impressed with his speed lately as well. The dude is fast. And if he keeps up the pace he's on now, he's going to put up over 20 goals this year. Now, I have to admit, I did not see that coming. So, he's been one of the few pleasant surprises. Number two on my list of bright spots, Cole Sillinger. He has three goals now in his last, I don't know, four or five games. Um, so is this is this the beginning of his comeback to true form? 
Well, here's my thought on Cole, okay? He played above, well above expectations in his first season. Then he fell back to earth. And then he fell below the earth's surface last season. So he overplayed season one. He underplayed season two. So maybe here in season three, we're seeing the true Cole Sillinger. Maybe we're seeing him gradually get to where a top 12 draft pick should be in his third season. Now, ultimately, I see Sillinger as a third line center. Now, I wish and hope he can be more than that. But if not, I am perfectly happy seeing him center that third line. Now, I know that being drafted so high, a lot of fans automatically think he should be a prolific point getter. But I wouldn't mind seeing him just be a well-rounded, defensive-minded forward who, you know, pots you know, 10 to 15 goals a year. But that's provided we see the continued development of Fantilli and Johnson. Okay? By law of averages, two of these three players should be offensive dynamos. So it would be amazing if all three were. But at some point, we have to be realistic and think the Jackets, they're just not that lucky. And, you know, I didn't even mention Chinnikov again. I mean, he he's picked up as well. He could be uh, a rising stud scorer as well. Plus Marchenko. And, of course, you have Goudreau. And dare I say it, okay, I'll say it, Patrick Laine. My point is not everyone can be 30 goal scorers and, and, and Boone, Boone was on pace for, for 30 as well. So there has to be some balance. Cole Sillinger may not be the high point scorer. A lot of us assumed he would be after season one and that's okay. Maybe his role is doing what he's doing now, playing hard, playing defensive, playing responsible, playing physical and putting up some points here and there. Number three, my list of bright spots. And by the way, these are not in any order. Number three, Adam Fantilli. Oh, man. Is this guy everything he was cracked up to be or what? I'm just loving having this dude on our team. And the best part is, he's just a rookie. Okay, he's just scratching the surface right now. His ceiling is so high, and I am so, so, so excited for the future with him on our team. Number four, Tarasov. He looked solid against the Sabres. He made some really nice saves and literally kept his team in the game. And so far, he is staying healthy. Now, everyone take a moment and knock on some wood, please. And number five on my list of bright spots, the other Russians. Already talked about Chinnikov. Well, Voronkov is an absolute beast. And you know what? He's still getting accustomed to the North American game. So he may just be scratching the surface as well. I just smile when I think of where, of where his game could be next season and beyond. And then Marchenko. Oh my gosh, is there a more likable player than him his constant smiles his 
joking around, his mannerisms, his his so much charisma. And, and did you did you guys see the video of him fumbling around in his bag looking for the kepi? That was hilarious. So on brand for him, and so on brand for his character. He just seems like such a marketable guy for this franchise, and and he produces on the ice too. Now, granted, he's fallen off a bit since his hat trick, but but I'm pretty confident he'll pick things back up again. So there you have it. Five bright spots for the Jackets right now, and again, I'll I'll try to try to make that a weekly thing if if uh, if there are some bright spots to talk about. All right, last segment. Um, I'm gonna call this segment "How Long Can We Remain Fans." Now, I know that's kind of ominous, and I don't want you to think that this, you know, totally applies to me. Okay, this is just. Uh, a discussion point, all right. And I bring it up because I was talking with uh, a fellow Jackets fan on Friday, and I asked him, I said, hey, you going to watch the game tonight? This is before the Toronto game. And his response was surprising, okay? I mean, he loves the Jackets. But he said, no, I'm, I'm done with them. I, I can't deal with the frustration anymore. So... If, if you've listened to any of my other episodes, all right, you, you know my feelings on this. Fans can be fans however they want to be fans. If you are not enjoying it, don't watch, okay? I'm, I'm not going to call you out on not being a real Jackets fan, okay? You do you. To me, it doesn't make you any less of a fan if you are not enjoying seeing them constantly offer you a bad product, okay? This is the entertainment business after all. But it got me thinking, how long are most fans willing to put up with all the losing, okay? I mean, how, how, long, how long would someone have to go to jump ship on a franchise without being made fun of, uh, ostracized, or uh, insulted by other fans? Now, for me, I've been a fan of an unsuccessful hockey franchise for the better part of 37 years. And I haven't jumped ship yet. And I never plan to. If the Jackets take another 10 to 20 years to reach a level of sustained success, please, please don't take that long. (laughs) Well, then I'm going to wait 10 to 20 years. All right. It will suck badly and and I'll complain about it on here and on social media but the jackets are my team and I'm in it for for better or for worse but it makes me wonder okay not all people are like me and again that that's okay I'm not trying to be condescending um, not trying to be judgmental other people might not be able to put up with cheering for a perennial loser for as long as I have and as long as I'm willing to. So there's no concrete or definite answer to the question. Just something rhetorical, you know, just just something something I've been thinking about, something I just wanted to kind of think about out loud. How long are fans going to put up with an unsuccessful franchise? How many seasons before they finally 
jump ship. And, of course, how, how long must a fan suffer before they're allowed to switch their allegiance without ridicule from others? Again, there's no definite answer. And don't get me wrong, no one should ever be ridiculed about that sort of thing, okay? I mean, fan how you want to fan. No one should have anything to say regarding how you cheer for your team and how you spend your money. Which is why I don't get a lot of the arguments I see on Twitter. Anyway, just something I started thinking about when I asked my friend that. And uh, I don't know, I was just surprised by his response. Now, when I, when I think about how little success this team has had for 23 years of existence, I have to say I'm, I'm impressed with, with the devotion that I see. And we're still selling out games. There's still a strong social media presence. We, we love this team. And by golly, one day we're going to be rewarded. And it is going to be glorious. So we just need to hang in there. And I know we've already hung in there for a long time. But I don't know about you guys, but I have a very strong feeling that something is going to change here soon. Okay, and by the way, let me just say, when I have very strong feelings, that's a, it's a good thing. Okay, it's something to trust because I had a very strong feeling, you can ask anybody in my family, well before the draft, I had a very strong feeling that we were going to get Adam Fantilli one way or the other. Very strong feeling. And it worked out. So I have a very strong feeling that, that there's going to be a change here soon with the Jackets. Maybe this season, maybe next season. But there's going to be a shift of some kind. I really feel that either ownership will finally cut their losses and fire Yarmo and or JD, and this team will, will have a new feel to it. Or, or I'm wrong. Okay, I'm wrong about Yarmo. And all this young talent will really start to develop into something special right in front of our eyes. With, with our front office as it is. And it will be glorious. But I really do feel, guys, I feel like a change is coming. There's going to be a shift coming soon. So with that, I'm going to end this podcast episode. Hit me up with any questions, comments, suggestions. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Whaler Jacket. Now, no one has done that yet, but I'm still hoping that this podcast will take off one day. Not trying to toot my own horn here, and I'm, I'm not thinking that more people need to hear what I have to say, nor do, I want, nor do I want to take away any listeners from some of the other amazing CBJ podcasts out there. I just, I just enjoy talking hockey and would love to interact with other Jackets fans more frequently. So if you have enjoyed that, uh, enjoyed what, I, what you heard here, just uh, feel free to give my post a like on Twitter. And until next time, Happy New Year, and Go Jackets!